0: What a great sight Uh, just a few minutes ago to see what love does uh, across Melbourne and there in Canberra and even in Phoenix this past week, the refuge was uh, featured on the local Phoenix television and the work that they're doing with uh, youth and troubled youth all across that city. So pretty amazing that missions is not only what we do around the world, but it's also what we do near where we live. Our theme this year is Love Does, and we just saw some wonderful examples. Love buys a right on lawnmower for a community uh, that has been devastated, and love just does so many other things. It's, it's, it's great. Our, our theme also this year is based on a scripture, and so our keynote scripture is in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 2, and it's from the Message Bible. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us, love like that. This past week, I discovered a uh, video that one of our connect groups here in Sydney put together because as a connect group, they have been learning and memorizing this, our keynote scripture. And they sort of put it together in a song. I watched the video, I was blessed. I just thought, wow, this is from Ty and Michelle's connect group here in Sydney. So enjoy this for a moment. something from us Mostly what God does is love yeah. he you. He loves you. He He really loves you. How cool is that? So I could read it for you or Ty and Michelle and they're in church at home can sing it for you as well. But I, I want to love like that. I want to do what love does. I want to do what kindness does. I want to do what compassion does. I want to do what concern does. What do these things do? That's what I want to do. And I really want to learn to love, not to get something, but to give something. I want to love like that. But I know and I understand that not everybody wants to do. What love does. There are those who are cruel instead of kind. There are those who hate more than they want to love. There are some who are hostile and harsh and they want to harm and they want to hurt much more than they want to help. Paul said in Romans 13 and verse 10, and by the way, I love the way this passage starts. Love does. What a great verse of scripture for us. Romans 13:10. Love does no harm. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. But then Paul goes on to say in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14: Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. And may the Lord reward him according to his works. Paul had those in his life who wanted to help him. He also had those in his life who wanted to harm him and who wanted to hurt him. And Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 18, for there are many who live by different standards. This is a truth we should lay hold of today. Not everyone wants to do what love does. Paul says there are many who live by different standards. I've warned you many times, and he said, I weep as I write these words. They are enemies of the cross of the anointed one. He said, there are many enemies of the cross of Christ. Rob DeMartin and I were doing a walk around the river this week, and Rob said this to me. He said, we are not in a spiritual bubble. We are in a spiritual battle. We hear a lot today about being in a bubble. But as Christians, we live in a real world, and not everybody in that real world holds the same values that we do. Jesus actually said in John chapter three and verse 19 that some love darkness rather than light. He, he, he intones that there are those who love evil rather than uprightness. As a matter of fact, Jesus in Matthew 5:39 he talks about an evil person and and what our response should be to an evil person. And in Luke 11:29, he talks about an evil generation. And the apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4, he talks about this present evil age. And then Jesus says in John chapter 17 and verse 15, he talks about the evil one. The evil one. You know, as a matter of fact, in the King James Bible, there are 569 verses in the King James Version of the Bible that contain the word evil. 569 verses. That's a whole lot of evil. But all of that evil comes from the evil one. And that's why the Lord teaches us in the Lord's Prayer. When we pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And then it says, and deliver us from evil. But the actual translation is, deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. Because that's where all the evil comes from. Rob says, we're not in a bubble. We're in a battle. So what God does and what love does... Happens in the same world where the devil does and evil does. Now, mostly what God does is love you. But mostly what the devil does is diss you. Diss you. You know, I didn't even know diss was a real word. I had heard some young people use it, you know, that this person had dissed them. And I thought, is that a real word? And actually in the Oxford Dictionary of English, the word dis, you can spell it D-I-S or D-I-S-S, it says in the dictionary, to speak disrespectfully to or criticize. I don't know, maybe it's short for disrespectfully, But to diss is to speak disrespectfully to or to criticize. The verb form of it is disses, dissing, or dissed. And I am telling you, that is mostly what the devil does. The devil desires to diss you, to speak disrespectful of you all day, and to criticize you all night. We read in the book of Revelation, in chapter 12, in verse 10. I'm reading from the Bible Basic English Translation. It says, And a great voice in heaven came to my ears, saying, Now is come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Because, now wait for this. Because he who says evil against our brothers before our God, day and night is forced down. Can you believe it? The devil stands before God, accusing us, dissing us, speaking evil of us day and night. Man, he has a constant complaint against you. He is a forever fault finder. I call him a never-ending nitpicker. He's worse than my little sister who used to tattle on me and get me in trouble all the time. He is addicted and afflicted to somehow getting you convicted. That's for you, Tyel, by the way. You know, it's crazy because it's a frenzied pointless pursuit. Here he is day and night dissing us before God, and yet right in the middle of the New Testament, in the book of Romans, in chapter 8 and verse 31, we see how ridiculous of a mission he is on to diss us continually before God. Here's what we read in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. In view of all of this, what can we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? Certainly not God, who did not even keep back his own son, but offered him up for us all. He gave us his son. Will he not also freely give us all things? Who will accuse God's chosen people? God himself declares them not guilty. Who then will condemn them? Not Christ Jesus who died or rather who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God pleading with him for us. Jesus is pleading with him for us. Satan stands before God day and night, dissing us, habitually harping and harassing us. But all God hears is the intercession of his son, not the accusation of Satan. He hears the intercession of his son and the pleadings of Jesus, not the accusations and denunciations of the devil. I want to share with you over these next few weeks the different ways the devil tries to diss you and me. His dissing us before God is pointless. It's useless. It's hopeless. So if it doesn't work on God, maybe he can get it to work on you. And so we're going to look at different ways the devil seeks to diss you. And this week, I want us to see that the devil not only wants to diss you, he wants to dismiss you. He'll tell you, you're nobody, you're nothing. He'll tell you that you are insignificant, irrelevant. He'll try to brush you off and dismiss you outright. Who do you think you are? You're a zero. So just sit down and be quiet because you are inconsequential and you are not important. He'll tell you that there is no substance to you. He'll tell you that you don't really matter and mostly what you do is just take up too much space. He is the author of cancel culture. We hear a lot about cancel culture now on the news and in the media, if you don't say what everyone thinks you should say or or believe what people think you believe, well, we just cancel you. We just cancel whatever you've done in the past and you're just a nobody. I'm telling you, Satan himself is the author of cancel culture. And the devil wants to cancel you. The devil wants to dismiss you. This is exactly what he tried to do with Job. And we remember this story in the book of Job in chapter one and verse eight. God said to Satan, have you noticed my friend Job? There's no one quite like him. Honest, true to his word, totally devoted to God and hating evil. (laughs) Now watch the devil try to dis Job, and watch the devil try to dismiss Job. So the next verse, Satan retorted, so, do you think Job does all that out of the sheer goodness of his heart? Why, no one ever had it so good. You pamper him like a pet, and you make sure nothing bad ever happens to him or his family or his possessions bless everything he does he can't lose but what do you think would happen if you reached down and took away everything that is his he'd curse you to your face that's what listen to satan filled with derision and disdain job's nothing He's nobody special. He's a loser. He's a lightweight. He's a letdown and he'll let you down. He'll curse you to your face. Mostly, what the devil does is diss you and his hate dismisses you. Mostly, what God does is love you and his love distinguishes you you. His love distinguishes you. It sets you apart. We read in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32, and now I entrust you to God and the message of His grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. His love sets you apart. His love distinguishes you. You are not dismissed. You are distinguished, singled out and set apart for God Himself. You are you're a distinguished king and a priest belonging to a royal and a regal priesthood, distinguished by God, set apart by God. We read in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, but you are a chosen race. How distinguished is that? How set apart is that? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The devil dismisses you. God distinguishes you. Before angels and powers and principalities, your prominence and renown and distinction is celebrated. For all of eternity, your notoriety and your celebrity and your popularity will be because of God's love distinguishing you. You will be recognized forever as that having an eternal reputation as the one God set apart for himself. We read in Ephesians chapter 2, and verse 7, throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and his kindness, which was showered upon us in Jesus Christ. Can you believe what this scripture says about you and your forever? Let me read it again from the New Living Translation. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. You are not dismissed. You are distinguished. God's love for you distinguishes you and set you apart from everyone else. This revelation could change the way you live the rest of your life. This was the only distinction that John the Apostle used to identify himself. Four times in the Gospel of John, John refers to himself not even as John, like his name is what distinguished him. No, he refers to himself four times as the disciple whom Jesus loved. For John, that was what distinguished him, not even just being a disciple, not being an apostle, but being the one Jesus loved. Now, I'm sure that Jesus loved all of the disciples, but none of them got it like John got it. John took hold of this until it eventually took hold of him. Now, we know that in the real world, there is the devil and darkness and a diabolical agenda. But we also know there is God and goodness and grace, grace, grace grace. There is love that is immeasurable. There is a blood-bought salvation for whosoever will. We're not in a bubble. We're in a battle. But what distinguishes us is not our achievements or our accomplishments or our height or our looks or our wealth or letters behind our name. All of that is just fading. What distinguishes us is God's love, his forever love. Mostly, what the devil does is diss you and dismiss you. Mostly, what God does is love you. Keep company with him. And learn a life of love. And know this week, every day, God has distinguished you and set you apart for himself because of his great love.